This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Ooh, today's episode? I forgot the word episode. Doing great! Today's episode is a chat with Jordan Kruschila. This one, this is, I, you will hear it, I think probably 10 minutes in, I realize what the episode is actually going to be about, and it is so interesting. I want to thank Jordan so much for uh, being so honest. God, we have the best guests on this show. Please enjoy the episode. Hello. Uh, I always have guests introduce themselves. Oh, bye, Valerie. <laughs> I started so suddenly. That was my fault, not yours. I started so suddenly. Um, okay. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. I am Jordan Cruciola. Uh, I am your max fun. I'm your maximum fun uh, cohort. Label mate. I- Label mate, I host the Feeling Scene podcast, and I am a writer and producer uh, because I live in Los Angeles. And when you move here, you have a choice to either pursue that. It's like they, it's like when you get a lay off the coming off the Hawaiian Airlines in oh. Hawaii. It's like, would you like to join the industry? And like, oh no, thank you. Or like, yes, I'll wear this and be insecure for years to come. Wait, I just was on your show and we had the greatest conversation of all time. So that's why I you're love here that today. conversation. Um, but you were a journalist when you moved here. Yes, I I, I came down on a contract. Yes, I came down on a contract job. I wrote briefly for Good Magazine and did some editing there. Um, RIP, and it's like last couple years in existence. It won a National Magazine Award under the stewardship of editor in chief Nancy Miller, which is very cool. But I don't think it is. I don't think it's around anymore. Um, But then from there, uh, I came here because I worked at Wired for seven years prior to that in San Francisco, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then I hit a certain threshold where it was like. Are you going to do the journalism you always said you wanted to do, which was like movie centric entertainment journalism? Or are you going to stay here and just have a like a totally chill life in San Francisco that you'll also love? But like if you want to do that journalism, like you're going to have to go to L.A. And so I made the L.A. choice and my my contract gig that I moved down here for was three months long. A month and a half in, I applied for a vulture job uh, and an associate editor position there with 10 days left on my Vulture, on my Good Magazine contract, I got the Vulture job. And so just segued smoothly from that into Vulture. And that was the, it was the publication I came here to work for, but I just didn't have that in place. And I was like, I'm coming to LA and I want to write for Vulture and I want to write about movies. And that was what ended up happening. And then I was with them for four years and I decided three years into that, that because I feel like you hit a, a fork in the road when you move to L.A. if you're anywhere close to the entertainment industry, where like you hit that fork where you've either learned too much and you run away screaming in the opposite direction or you go, oh, no, this is going to be my life and I'm going to go further and closer into it because it turns out that's what I want to do and I love it. And after years of having my focus was uh, horror cinema and I got to write about a lot of independent films and just the unifying experience of every independent horror filmmaker I talked to and be any indie filmmaker is this was so hard like I'm so proud of this work I wanted to find his audience this was so hard what an impossible dream and I just got to a point where like I got so frustrated being like 
I want to do more for you in the part where you're making the movie. Like, I love my job telling people about it afterwards, but I think actually the things that make me good at this job will make me better at helping people like you get these movies made. So then I decided I wanted to produce movies and uh, I got pandemic out of my job at Vulture, which was like, all right, now we're fully full force embarking on the producing career. Wait, hang on, slow down. We have and to here slow we are. this down a little bit. Oh, okay. Oh, that was the end? Yes, that was, yeah. That, that was, was the I end? was going so fast because I knew the end was right there and it was like, we just get to this and have it squared away yes <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm a, I have a lot of words per minute a lot of words I mean I'm still I don't know why I don't know what good magazine is it sounds like it probably was like very um important it had honest, a really but. it had like a big splash in its arrival in like the mid-2000s that was like optimistic like pop culture optimism eco-friendly like really beautiful design centric mm. and it was kind of like a bell of the ball for a couple of years but then publishing started like print media started dying and so it was one of those publications that like just kind of i think got caught in the churn it was also part of a non-profit like so it oh. got caught in the churn of uh the digital revolution and not knowing how to monetize magazines anymore and it not being a part of a big publishing house like a like right. a hatchet filipachi or a Condé Nast and it had a good run and then it kind of you know it it went to the it went over the marigold bridge like so many others oh my god okay <laughs> <laughs> so so where do i want to where do i want to start let's see do anything I just said or with the t-shirt that I'm wearing yeah, yeah, or yeah, with the yeah. concert we both just went oh, to. We just like, went I want to make sure Swift that we stick concert. with the notes that we have. Yeah, we went to the Taylor Swift concert. I went mm -hmm. to see her on Saturday. I was you there as well. We were under the same moon at Taylor Swift. Yes, absolutely. The moon that was hers, she created it and projected it onto the <laughs> yeah. screen. That was at the absolutely. Yeah. Over the course of... Now, I don't know what you read ahead of time. Nothing. I read nothing. I avoided all information. Yes. So imagine my surprise when two and a half hours in, I was like, we're not even close to being done. Like, no, she's still long. going. Yes. It was extremely long. Also, I will... So I got... Um, I got tickets the, um, the old-fashioned way by having sex with somebody who has a penis and creating the tickets. Amazing. After nine months. That's so beautiful. Body. That's the only kind of baby I want to produce from my physical body. So <laughs> no, I got, um, I like, uh, had signed up for the thing, the pre-sale yep. thing. And then I went on to Ticketmaster and, and when it broke and I was there, you were there for that. I, I was there. Yeah. I was a pre-sale code girly as and well. And you got I two nights of tickets from that? I got one that's night. that's actually impossible, right? No, it, yeah, that would have been impossible. I got a code and the, the person I had Loverfest tickets with also got a code. I didn't expect that we both would. She So she got tickets for the two of us to go together and then I had a code. So I was like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going two nights because I got a code. I can't waste the code. And then a friend of mine who I had been planning to see a Taylor show with for 10 years, we got tickets together. Last week, she had to drop out and could not even come to L.A. to see the show. So I ended up selling them to a friend. But that was how, like, two people got codes. And that wait, was how I ended wait, up so, so Friday, you, Saturday. Did you bring the person who brought you? Mm -hmm. Did you end up also bringing that person? Or did someone bring you that you didn't bring? And if I, so, can I call that person and see <laughs> if they're upset with you? Because I feel like that's no, very someone, spicy. Someone brought me and okay. then I was supposed to bring someone else and then right, they right, right. bowed out. And but I why didn't you bring the original person who brought you? Do you see how friendship works? No, I couldn't bring brings... that person. I was, I wanted to bring that person, but they couldn't come. Oh, okay. 
Uh, the, right. the original okay. Loverfest person, she brought me. So okay. we fulfilled our destiny of seeing a Taylor show together. Yes. And then the friend who I had planned this but with for a decade. But she couldn't go to the other night. She couldn't go. Like, Got that it. was a okay. totally separate right. engagement. Like, okay. totally separate people. Okay. But All then, right. of okay. course, I could find another homosexual in the city of Los Angeles to come see <laughs> Taylor Swift with me on a moment's notice. <laughs> that's great news yeah yeah (laughs) i was supposed to go last night originally um but my wife had to go to new york uh for work and so i ended up selling those tickets and i got tickets to go on saturday and i i've i'm very annoying secret keeper oh okay like i don't like if i have a secret regarding especially a present Mm -hmm. um you can tell on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But when I had originally gotten tickets for my wife and I, um, the tickets I got were like, you know what? They were like up top. Yeah. They were, they were up tops. And there the was a with that. I was in the 500s. I was in the 500s. Yeah, and they honestly, were 500s. Good seats. show from the 500s. Yeah, they were great. It was great. I, I, was, I was great with it. I, turns out I... Um, don't know how to put tickets into a cart very quickly. Um, and so that was as fast as those ones were. I couldn't even believe I, mean, I got them. that was the highest pressure situation It was possible. the highest pressure situation. I kept trying to just be like, buy. And as I would, I don't know if my finger was really slow or something. Anyway, but I did get those tickets. But anyway, um, I, I, ended up, I ended up getting her some like nice, nice tickets. Nice. Some nice tickets. But then I just kept like this kind of thing where we're walking in and she was like, oh, we're like, isn't that the door over there? And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, am I, let's just like see if the door is over here. Like, I, I don't know if it is or not, you know. Could be any door. I don't know. Well, just, let's check over here. <laughs> I, I, I had, the first night I was there was when I was up in the 500s, a friend of mine sent me, because I was like, am I going to try and do the thing where I see if the open seats on like SeatGeek and like try and con my way into better seats that haven't been sold yet? Wait, so I, wait a minute. That is genius. It's worked in the past. What are you it talking is, about? Like, because the concert's already going on. It's already going. So you buy the tickets on SeatGeek because they've oh, been reduced to like 50 no, bucks? No, you don't. No, do you well, do? maybe you don't even buy them. Maybe you just go sit in them because nobody you else You just look? Them. You just try. So like, and it, this I was, could actually not do that. I'm too nervous. Uh, well, I, and like, it kind it like, it almost worked, but it didn't work because I told my friend, I was like, all right, I'm going to go on the recon mission and see if those seats that our friend Brent sent us are still there. So I don't know. A, the stadium in Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium is an impossible labyrinth to figure out. And I'm pretty That's sure right. they hide the entrances to the better seats. So you can't find them without That's asking for help. That's probably true. And I like I somehow very smoothly negotiated my way into the 200s level and I made it past an entrance I probably should have got through. And then you have to go through like another glass door through a suites area to find yourself at an unmarked escalator that takes you down to the 100s level, which is where the mystery seats were that we were trying to get. And I see like he's intermittently checking tickets, the guy at the escalator. So I just look down like I'm texting and power past other people's tickets he's looking at. I get on the escalator to go down and realize that the one 
100 level, the sign says VIP. And I was like, oh, my God, I got into a VIP set. Like, how did I get not stopped? <laughs> I get down to the seats. I text my friend. I'm like, we can do this. These seats are here. Nobody's in them. And the bracelets, the light up bracelets were still in the cup holders, which tells you that nobody had been there to claim the seats yet because wow, they didn't okay. put on their bracelets. So I texted my friend. He's like, OK, I'm going to come down. He got stopped at five escalators and or elevators and turned away. At one of them, a security guard was like, keep going. Like, encourage, like, keep trying. Tried to get, like, the security guard tried to get my friend through an employee's only entrance. Didn't work out. It ended up, he could never reach me. And he was like, it's okay. This is your special night. You should stay there. And I was like, oh no, we are watching Taylor Swift together. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to watch the first song from down here, though. And then I'll run up to see you and we'll sit together. Well, right as I was going to leave anyway, it turns out two people did buy those seats that me and my friend were going to sit in. They showed up and I saw their tickets like they were showing them to each other. Someone did last second buy those seats for well over $1,000 each and like came and took their rightful place. So I was leaving anyway, but I did get to watch the Miss Americana Cruel Summer opener with the most two fucking hyped girls in the entire SoFi Stadium right in front of me. And we were like scream singing to each other. And one of the girls looked at me and just goes, she's right there. And I was like, I know. (laughs) So it was the perfect kickoff to the concert. You are a goofball. I like everything about this story. And then as I, and then I was like, I got to get back up to Sam, my friend. And so I, I'm like running up SoFi to try and get from the 100s to the 500s. Not every elevator goes all the way up. I got turned around. I went up and down the runway. I missed the entire, higher lover set the first night but i was so liberated because i was like i'll be back tomorrow so my (laughs) god but i made it back up to sam by the time i believe ever uh was ever more fearless by the time the fearless section of the eras started and we just i went nuts for the whole rest of the night it was great well look i don't know that you sound like you have here's the thing I know how to confidently walk into a space as if I'm supposed to be there. Yes. But I, it's usually, that usually is something that I can muster when I am supposed to be there. Really? When I actually am supposed to be there, but I still need to convince people for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know that. I don't know that I could have done what what you're describing. That's amazing. What you were I was shocked. To, I was yeah. sitting in the. I mean, I, it was like 100s, like row 12, and I was like, I am sincerely shocked. I made it this far. This is kind of insane, especially yeah, since the insane. next night, sitting in the 200 section, which were very nice seats, they checked our tickets every time we came back in from like leaving to go get food, and also. Except for two times, they were like, it says there's two tickets here. Who has the other ticket? And we had to, like, show them our tickets together. And we were like, do we have to go to the bathroom together every time for you guys to let us in? It ended up not being – but, like, I was like – once the second night was so much more locked down, I was like, how the fuck did I make it through seven gauntlets to get where I did last night? I've not ever felt – I felt, like, genuinely worried for her safety actually (laughs) watching the show. Um (laughs) Which I don't think I've ever felt. I've gotten to see, because of my job, I've gotten to see, like, a lot of music from in a lot of people. Yeah. Doing a lot of music. Um, and I've never seen... So we were... Here's why I'm going to say <laughs> So I got us four seats. Okay. And we were... 10 rows back from the stage. Wow. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I feel like 
had I not, I think that any seat in there would have been an amazing seat, but I think had I not been in that zone, I don't think I would have realized how genuinely terrifying all of the people in that space were. Wow. Because like I was pretty close to who they were projecting all of their energy and noise at. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, like, because in our zone, um, and you know what? I feel like for me, this is my wife's, you know, favorite person. Okay. And we're not Amazing. going on a vacation this summer. And so so I got us seats that were a vacation. Yeah. Pre like, premium. They were premium. not cheap. Yeah. So I, I do want to acknowledge that for the folks that are listening. That is an acknowledgement that these were nice yeah. seats. Um, You're like, and that that is not a normal thing. I do. No, it's not. I know. Like, I, I'm not also doing that for Renaissance and no, Jesse no, Ware. Like, that's, that's not true. what I yes. do. Yes, yes, yes. Plus, I already seen Beyonce. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta space it out. Um, not that I wouldn't want to see her again. Give me tickets to that. Someone. This will, anyway. well, I my tiny side note of that is I wasn't going to go to Renaissance because I did Taylor, but then like I've seen Beyonce four times, and so I was like, I'll hold off. Like I'm gonna, I'll hold off on Renaissance. Like okay, but I'll do it. I'm gonna be practical. And then a friend asked me yesterday. He was like. Do you want to see Beyonce? And I was like, what are you asking me? What are you at? What is this question? What are you saying? And he was like, I was going to go. I'm going with me and my boyfriend. We had a friend going. She can't go. Do you want to buy this ticket? And it's like $300 and I can't afford it, but we're going to put it on a credit card because I was like, listen, I have learned in my life. You don't turn down Beyonce twice. I turn like if you get the second chance in a, to see her, you say yes to that. Like uh, the last time I saw Taylor on the rep tour, it was in Nashville. I was going with a friend and we were like, should we see on the run too? If it was just Beyonce, we would definitely go. But it's her and Jay-Z. So do we want to spend the money on that? And we were like, no, we don't have to do it. Week of our travel, she she damns me and is like, Tickets for Beyonce are $50. Would you like to? I was like, yes, we have to go for $50. So now that I've been, I didn't want to throw myself into the scrum, especially after Ticketmaster Gate 20 fucking 22 for Taylor. But with somebody just offering me to purchase a ticket to Beyonce and a second chance, I had to do it. Okay, well, yes, congratulations. This is the universe telling me. But yeah, yeah, congratulations. You, yes. you made the right choice. I'm very proud. You. you, floor seats, uh, life flashing before your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just was scary. It was like wow. actually scary. Uh, in the zone that we were in, you weren't allowed to be in the aisle at all, oh, even with okay. your feet. Wow. Because and I and I know why. Because it's like they can't just like have people in the aisle uh -huh. because the security could be overwhelmed so quickly. So like you had Whoa. to be standing in front of your exact seat. That would be tough for me because I'm a big I'm a big space. I totally dancer. get it. Trust me. Um, yeah. The woman next to me was a big space dancer. Yeah. Um, and she also <laughs> had disgusting hair. Like she said, very long hair that kept rubbing. Its oh, no, it's damp. Uh, my wife and I kept sweaty. switching who had to be close to the <laughs> hair that was rubbing and caressing. Nasty, wow. horrible. But uh, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't not be in front of your exact chair. And <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Hey, I have a... This is how we're going to pivot. Pivot? Yeah. Um. Speaking of things that are scary. Yes. You like scary films. You like I love films. scary films. Yes. And you were telling me on your podcast that you mm-hmm. specifically have an interest in the in the horror of that mm-hmm. is queerness and the mm-hmm. queerness that is horror mm-hmm. um i can't really watch scary movies horror movies i are you a wikipedia person are you somebody who yeah. reads like the summaries yes. of the scary movies and i often will also like look up stills because mm-hmm. i want to because i'm i'm culturally interested in yeah. like all things that are zeitgeisty mm-hmm. uh but I can't, I, or another thing I can do is I can get up real early in the morning, watch mm-hmm. the thing if I have the captions on and no sound because oh, interesting. music and j- jumping noise, jumpy noises. Yeah. Yeah. That, if that's gone, sometimes it's not that bad. I, this is the, this is not that, this is not exactly that experience, but a, I did once for work have to watch the movie Inside, the French the new French extremity film Inside, uh, which is about a woman who has a C-section scheduled. And the night before the C-section, a woman is trying to break into her house to cut that baby out of her body. No, I don't know. So it's a home invasion movie of her having to stop it. Or try at least. And I needed to watch that in like two hours. So I went to the storage closet at Wired Magazine and I tucked myself into the smallest corner and turned off all the lights to really set it up for myself. And just with the computer on my lap, watched inside in a closet at like 11 a.m. I don't know if that sounds worse or better than (laughs) that. I don't... (laughs) Did they have good snacks? Maybe they had good snacks. (laughs) But you're not going to eat a snack while you're watching... That's not a snacky movie. Yeah. Okay, here's a question. Yeah. Um, what is the first horror movie that you watched that you loved? I think the, well, the the, I, the first horror movie I have a memory of, and it is a, uh, it's the first movie I have a memory of, and it's also a, a favorite of mine now, is actually when I was, had you been about five, Hellraiser. Oh, the I've original, never seen Hellraiser. The original Clive Barker Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. I, it's my you first were five? movie memory. Yeah. I had to have been about that. And it, the, my memory specifically of it is there is a scene where the villain Frank is reconstituting from being dead. And he is like a skeleton rising out of his own gelatinous goo covered in gore and becoming alive again. And that is my first movie memory that I have. And what did you think of this at age five? I, I, I remember, like, I, I like, remember. Did, did you sleep ever again? It's such a, like, in, like horror now, is such an, because, like, now and then. 
Horror is such an interesting thing because, like, you don't understand what's going on necessarily when you're little. So I remember thinking, like, this is cool. And now when I, like, watch it, I'm like, wow, this is such, like, an unbelievable, like, psychosexual exploration of, like, BDSM and, like, queer release through, like, needing expression because of marginalization. And, like, but watching it then, I'm just like, wow, that skeleton's gross. And thinking it's awesome. And now seeing it and being like, this is one of the most disturbing things I could watch because of the implications of everything going on around it. And, of course, the hooks and the box. And My mom still... She like my mom is still afraid of the lament configuration. She thinks Pinhead is. is like the scariest idea there is. And that that's that gold box that like folds and unfolds in Hellraiser, the the lament. I've never seen Hellraiser. I have I definitely do know what Pinhead looks like because I feel like it was impossible to go to a blockbuster video and not yes. pass that um he's around person's yeah. face. Mm-hmm. And notice it as a child mm-hmm. if if you're like kind of in our age range. Oh uh, yeah, because that was a very popular film, mm-hmm. and that is a very indelible cover. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's like my my whole. But your mom is still scared of elements of that film too. Oh yeah, yeah. My that mom has sense. my my mom's like, oh pin- no 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 no. If like if so she like why? the idea like she'll bring up Pinhead as like the worst thing that I think that that could exist. Like but it's I just wanna, the, and it has been since she saw it, and I'm watching it being like that skeleton's cool, and she's like, so my wanna, mortal soul is shaken by Pinhead. I want to ask about you thinking that that is that that's like because you said oh that's gross, and then mm-hmm. you also said oh that's cool. Yeah. So you think gross is cool. Yeah, I've I've always, I think I've always enjoyed the spectacle, even when I was little before I could process necessarily what I was watching, like, the spectacle of it was always just so cool, like, ew, look at all that stuff, like, it looks like, is that real? And, like, my, my scariest, my personal scariest movie of all time is Event Horizon, and that's from 1995, I think. Wait, but isn't that just a natural disaster movie? What happens? No, that's a Deep Water Horizon Sure. Okay. All right. I think that's I heard the Mark Horizon, Wahlberg movie, I thought Deepwater Horizon. Tsunami is happening. No, yeah, what is uh, happening? In- Event Horizon is uh-huh. uh, an incredible ensemble cast. Jolie Richardson, Lawrence uh, Fishburne, Sam Neill, Jason Isaacs. They go on a deep space recovery mission to a uh, a vessel that vanished seven years ago while it was testing out this new, like, space travel technology disappears come back seven years later so they send a ship then uh to go salvage what's left of that vessel and the crew and what they find on board are many horrifying things and it's pretty much all done in camera are those things aliens no No. i can spoil where the ship went for you if you would like to know sure it went to hell Oh, and what it brought back with it is what it the way that it terrorizes the crew is it finds the thing that they are most afraid of and manifests it in front Uh. of them to terrorize them with it. So one is a man's wife who committed suicide and and like the recurring image of her like dead eyeless body surfaces. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of thing. Many of the things that you say in one sentence are are scary. Many of them. Many of the words that are back to back in one single sentence. Wait, hang on. I, yeah. What do I, I want to focus up Esposito. That's me to me. Um, Okay. But I will, I do think you should know my mom did get me this movie on VHS for Valentine's Day when I was 10. So that's. Event Horizon. Yes. That's my relationship. 10. 
Yeah, 10 for Valentine's Day. For Valentine's the heart-shaped Day. box of chocolates, yeah. Going to hell. Yeah. Eyeless body. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is absolutely not that. the worst thing that you see in that movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll look it up right after this. <laughs> yeah. somehow, it's, somehow it's worse to hear you say it than it is for me to read it. If you Google Event Horizon GIF, it no, will show you the sort I'm of rapid clip. That. Like, I'm not gonna do that i would recommend against it but it will give you it will give you a probably like 10 five second visual rapid fire of like the famed peering into hell sequence from the movie where one of the characters is given a glimpse of what will happen if the show gets sucked back through the the hell portal and the things that happen to the actors in that flash segment are they stay with you <laughs> okay well <laughs> is that just in like the apple gif keyboard it probably probably not. is like hopefully and i would assume event horizon gif brings up that specific thing first and foremost because and you know just i'm just gonna just check and see no if that, you don't have to check yeah no, i'll just, see it re- reflected through the, your irises yeah i oh well so yeah that's something so, so yeah so yeah don't you don't need that. No. Well, hang on. Okay. So you're five, you're 10. Mm-hmm. Then what happens after that? You're like watching these. Are you aware of your own queerness at this time? When when does that come into That is <clears throat> my my uh, multi hyphenate is I am a panromantic gray asexual. Cute. So, and I had that, I didn't get that language till I was 28. What is a gray asexual? Gray asexual is sort of like a little bit of a hedge. It's like, hey, life is long and I want to stay (laughs) open-minded. That like, just because it hasn't happened and I I haven't had a sexual relationship with a person or or have been interested in one, that like, I do know that I experience a a kind of attraction and desire that could perhaps maybe uh, translate to a physical relationship with a person that I've never experienced before. They, I don't have any precedent for that, but I'm not really out that it could happen. Wait, and I'm also a very a affectionate second. and sort of touch reactive person, so I'm not aromantic. And because not, of that, so like, you, yes. So say, say it for me one more time because I want to catch every <clears throat> part of what yes. you said. Panromantic. Panromantic. Got so it. Could be I, anyone. Yep, that makes sense. Yep, yeah. A hundred. Well... Uh, was asexual, so like not a yep. person. Yep. Who, yeah, you're you're actually only we've only had this is wild, but we've only had I think three other asexual guests on the show. Which is, I'm the most public asexual person I know, so I, I tend to be very loud about it. A few other equally. Uh, I don't have you read the book Ace? We had the we had the awesome. I've heard of the book Ace, but I've it, never read it. Yeah, yeah, and um, also the hosts of sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> Podcast about wow, what a great title. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, okay. And then gray. And then the gray is like, yeah. Never yeah, know. cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's super interesting. I mean, boy, I feel like many of us could benefit from adding gray to various. It's nice. I'm happy it's, to, yeah, I'm happy to it's know. It's why about I that. like the word queer so much. Yeah. Because, like, before I had that specific collection of language, like, queer just felt really comfortable because it, like, I don't have sexual relationships with people. And, like, it's like, it's like, like I'm not gay and, and bi, I don't, I like, I guess bi, but, like, in practice, it's all fucking theoretical because I haven't done anything with anyone. So, like, those two things felt like 
you don't have to be having sex with people to be legitimately gay or legitimately bi. Like yeah. your your queerness is active and it is real. But it was such a comfortable way to just have a short name, be like, yeah, I, I am a queer person. And people be like, okay, well, I don't know specifically what that means, maybe, but I get that you're on that acronym. It's like, okay, good, thank God. Like it's I'm that's my community. And then when I get like, then, you know, if we start with the general terms, and then like, well, my particular brand is, and then I roll that out, and it's yeah. like, okay, let's go piece by piece with that. Yeah. And the gray just allows for because I've never um because I've never had sexual relationships with people, but like I I I still I don't rule it out as as like not it's not an impossibility. What I ne- want to make sure I never do in my life is not pursue kinds of contacts, kinds of contact or connection with people just because I've never done it. I don't want to affix myself to a fact of who I am that makes me feel beholden to an idea of myself because I feel like we can all do that in a lot of ways. Like, mm. well, I'm I'm this kind of gay, so I can't be another kind of gay. Or like, well, people like know me for this way that I wear my hair even. Like, I feel like when we're younger, there's that kind of pressure a lot. So like, I just don't want to deal with like changing my style because I feel like people are going to ask me questions or look at me weird. So I just, I want to allow for the possibility at any time I could meet somebody that changes things for me in a way that I would explore new possibilities of connection and intimacy. But I, because I don't ever want to make a choice based out of fear or stagnation for who I could become based on who I've been. That's so cool. I just want to allow for that gray, for that movement. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I definitely relate to, I've been wearing like dresses lately. I wore a dress hmm. to Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. And I wore like a very cute, like sheer bodycon dress that nice. was like, looked awesome. And the other thing that was awesome about it is that under it, I was wearing like what I wear to do hot yoga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Cause like, it, it's like basically like bike shorts and yeah. then uh, like a little bandeau bra. And yeah. Yeah. It like, I've never felt more comfortable at a, concert in my life because what I was like I oh my god that's close you know like yeah but then I also had like a cute little um bit of glitter and stars on top and I yeah felt great so this is something I'm allowing myself yes um after a lot of years of feeling pigeonholed by my own um interpretation of other people's expectations so well, and you're really, a public figure so like yeah. people know there are there's a whole fucking google image log of how you look and how you present and yeah. what people expect to see of you when you yeah. are in a public place and that is so much to answer for when there's already so much to answer for that doesn't have to be this thing that gets constructed around us that is real but is still just a construction and i i want to do myself the favor as much as i can of being like listen just because you haven't done something doesn't mean it's the thing you always do and it's okay if you are it's okay if you make a different choice that can still align with your identity because your identity gets to be flexible that's so awesome yeah with with so few models for myself and my sexuality to be like well but there's this person who's an example that other people can connect to to help explain me because i know me but i find that i'm a long explanation for people i'm kind of just like carving it on my own here so the best i can do for myself is just not rigidly fix myself to like who i will be based on who i have been that's awesome man i love to hear that i'm so behind you with that thank you um and also i have like a few more questions that again you know any of this can be outside Outside of the airlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I there. But what an there's an amazing outside the airlock scene in Event Horizon. Let me tell <laughs> I you know, something. I bet there is. <laughs> um, 
That's a lot of blood. So if you haven't had sexual relationships with people, have mm-hmm. you had romantic relationships with people that would be under the like, like, hey, this is my partner, we're dating in that zone? I know you said you were snuggly and that you have mm-hmm. physically affectionate, so I did yes. hear you say that. Yes, um, yes. And I know you, you know, have talked about friends, so mm-hmm. I'm... Aware of those things, this is the one thing that I know varies for different people who are asexual. Um, So what's your experience with this? This is such an interesting question because I I have a friend who is like, we have a, a deeply close relationship and it is like, I think to, to, all outside perception, the way people would look at that is be like, oh, so are you guys dating? And it's no, but I understand why you think that. Because by the cues that you see, like, by the cues, like, the affection, the familiarity, like, the, there's an, there's definitely, like, there's an emotional intimacy there. There's, like, there's a deep emotional intimacy there. And it's not dating. Because for me, what it just, like, friendships are the ultimate totem for me. And I have companion friends at times when I am fortunate enough to meet people who are willing to, like, uh, who can align with me in a way where there is sort of, like, and when I say, like, because I'm, I'm trying to find the answer to this exactly myself right now, because it's, like, is it asexual romance when it is a friendship that has no limits on it such that it e- that it looks um, similar to or echoes, like, a sexually romantic relationship or partnership or marriage or something like that. Because, like, for me and, like, in my closest friendships, there is no limit. Like, we're not going to have sex. Like, that's that's not on the table. But, like, as far as, like, what would you do for you're the person you're in love with? Like, what would you do for your – that's what I will do for the closest people in my life. And I will be as invested and involved and devoted to a person – as they will allow me to be comfortably with their own boundaries. So I match where other people will allow me into their life with intimacy because I don't want to go past that and make them uncomfortable because as far as how much I can let a person in, it's infinite up to the point of having sex, like, because that's just not what I'm going to do. But like, as far as like, I will, I will be present for you and show up for you and give to you and do for you to the limits of what you recognize of what a spouse would do for another spouse. But that is what I would do for my friends. And so is that... Is that romance? I don't actually know. You know what? I, well, so I asked you two different things, and actually I can tell you that does sound like romance to me. Right. Um, I'm just another person, so I'm not the person that gets to decide. No, but, but if like, I would it, identify it, yes. The thing that it doesn't necessarily sound like is a sort of more communal definition of partnership. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it can't be your definition of partnership. But like, right. I think the thing that I... It's like, it's odd, I guess, the different ways. Because there are because there are people that are partnered yeah. that are not asexual, yeah. that are not having sex with those people for a lot of years. Yeah, for, for a long time. For various reasons. For various um, reasons, yeah. So I think that the partnership thing is oftentimes only requires like a mutual declaration. If I yeah. have to describe it. I think it requires a mutual declaration that that's what those people are. Yeah. Romance yeah. doesn't, like, partnership does not require romance. Right. And it does not require s- sexuality. Yeah. Uh, and, and Which is romance a great thing to hear. So thank you for saying so. And sexuality does not require romance. So there, yeah. there's, like, three different things almost, right? Yeah. And so that's the, I think that's the the one that, like, 
yeah, I think it, I think you some of the stuff that you described, um, or not the stuff you described. I would put all, a lot of that under the category of like romance, right? Yeah, I think partnership for me, like, is. feels less um, high, high-mindedly doing for others mm-hmm. or letting others in. And it feels mm-hmm. more about like a shared plan. And like yeah. that shit is again imposed because of like how we get health insurance in this country. Yes. So it's like all really complicated, all the stuff that we're talking about. And I and it and it's such a because like I'm such a partner I'm such a partnership oriented person like that's kind of like my native state like when I've been able to in my life like I have fostered sort of partnership friendships with with the people I've been most 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 close to that's because really that's how I like that's how I'm optimized that's me at my most optimized self is to be able to be dedicated in that sort of focused way and sort of purpose driven within the confines of like that's so interesting a, a wonderful like friend companionship would that person would it be usually one person and like would that person would you call that person like a best friend yeah and that's how it kind of tend that's how it sort of tends to to function but like this this person i described like who i've I've recently met this year like we are we are friends but friends feels like an insufficient word because we function very naturally in a very partner oriented way Interesting. but it is not a declared partnership but we've never really had to talk about the ease and fluidity with which we operate in this dynamic and also this is somebody who, like I like I said I'll I'll kind of I'll meet at a person wherever their boundary is where they're comfortable letting me into and in this in this friendship that I've been developing with this person like I have never been able to love a person with the full extent of myself to the in the way that I am with this person that I, that I have met this year like it's like the full force of my dedication and my adoration can go toward this person and again it's not a sexual relationship and they in return can greet me reciprocally with the same level of of love and warmth and adoration so this would like I have never, I have never been able to have that kind of dynamic with a person because always in some way, I do have to hold back a little bit of myself because typically for almost anybody I've ever met, that kind of focus on them as an individual and that partnership oriented way of of behaving, that's a little bit much for them. And it is something that is tend to be reserved for their romantic or sexual partner. So this is like, I'm moving into uncharted ground for myself in like the platonic relationship intimacy space because I've like never been allowed to fully love a person with the mm, complete wow. weight of and and breadth of who I am and it's been amazing but then it's like gosh if I don't know if I don't if I've never experienced this like what does this mean for where this goes because I'm queer she's not which honestly is also like a does that make it better because then there isn't going to be a confusion for like where this straight person is not at a certain point going to like pursue a sexual well, don't don't do not I fucking that, don't know man I, don't that <laughs> I don't know you can't count on declared uh <laughs> you're very charming thank you very much and thank you people can and that, you know we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And that's what I'm trying to say is I don't know. So I'm just like, so huh. it's like, it's it's like got this, 
there's like it's so because like the only language I have for it are also like the signifiers of a typically sexual traditional relationship where I'm like it's like a honeymoon is this a honeymoon phase of getting to know somebody or like is this just how we operate in perpetuity because the thing is I know how it's it's how I operate in perpetuity I can do this forever the tanks don't run out the resources constantly renewable but I have like raced off into like intensely bonded friendships before in the past with people who's who operate in what I find to be a more typical fashion, which is that kind of high enthusiasm and effort is a front loaded thing. And then you settle into a dynamic with a person that is less intense than that. Whereas I'm like, I can do intensity forever. This is what we do. Is this is this how we operate? So right. I have no idea. It's very exciting. That, it's very that's interesting. nice. But it's like, gosh, where does this go? Sure fucking don't know. Yeah, I don't, I mean. Because I know where it stays is a friendship. I know that. But what I don't know is, I, I'm 38, so I know how, I'm not unclear about what I want out of, like, companionship and what I recognize as, like, a partner dynamic. I, unless I meet someone exactly like me who's had my experience and, like, lives in my head, like, I don't know what their kind of progression is in terms of this kind of partnership because this is kind of a new dynamic for them as well where they're like I've never felt this like comfortable close to a person before and so we're both kind of like fuck shit where does like I don't know yeah well keep us in the loop let's see it's August <laughs> yeah. 9th when we're recording this keep us surprised oh let's let's uh circle back in like I don't know three months see, yeah. see where you're at <laughs> I want to, before I forget to like make this point. Um, so I didn't know this about how you identify. I knew you identify as queer. I didn't know this about how you identify mm-hmm. prior to this conversation. And it, I mean, look, I'm sure you, I'm sure I'm not telling you something you don't know. <laughs> but to me, um, an interest in horror mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense um for the sexuality that you're describing i will mm-hmm. give you some things i can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm. and then you tell me what you, what you how how you interpret this but i will mm-hmm. say for me um there are really beautifully made highly intricate with beautiful special effects there horror is one of those genres that there are Top tier filmmakers oh, have God, yeah. always exist with existed within that genre and always will exist within that genre. Like that might not necessarily be true for like summer blockbusters. Like there's not always yeah. there's you know sometimes summer blockbusters are made by really amazing filmmakers. I would I would say like actually Barbie's <laughs> made by a really amazing filmmaker, but yeah. sometimes they're not. Well, and they there are there are more constraints on those really amazing filmmakers within those gargantuan yes. films to operate within a certain yes. playbook, whereas horror is like fuck yes. it. We're not expecting a ton exactly. of this. So, yes. go so nuts. they can be, you know, shitty, but it can also be like huge space for a tour for like for pushing the limits of effects, mm-hmm. for score, for it's like there's mm-hmm. it's such a rich zone. And sure, sometimes like sometimes um I guess maybe sometimes a character might have like 
a some rich and positive sexual experience but much mm-hmm. more often sexuality is something that is th- viewed with like uh through the lens of like what is this part of being alive? Like I think about the movie yeah. Alien, for instance. <laughs> yeah. That whole yeah. movie. There's a lot is basically of there's like, a lot of metaphors. What's this about? Why don't we yeah. talk enough about this thing? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine I'm just, you know, movies like I watched, I'm such a TV kid. I care so mm-hmm. much about TV and movies. And when I was a kid growing up and I would see, I mean, we did just talked about Gina Gershon and Bound on your mm-hmm. on your show. Uh, but when I saw like Linda Hamilton for the first time, I didn't know why I absolutely loved that her arms were sick and that she yeah. wasn't like chasing after a man. I just knew that I yeah. loved that movie and it, it continues to be like probably the most indelible film in my life in terms of like mm-hmm. young baby cam. So I'm yeah. just imagining that for somebody who is ace like going to the movies which you know so often the movie there's like such a huge focus on like sex and the coming of age industrial yes, complex and like that tells you that out. when you come <laughs> to come of age yes means a very specific thing yes it means you had sex and then after prom you're just kind of different yeah and then you get it and you're grown up and you're an adult now and you understand and there is a vernacular around sexual contact in movies that is it is implies completion mm-hmm. it implies maturation it implies obtaining an objective yes. where it, and to not to not achieve the sexual relationship with the person means you failed or it didn't happen or there wasn't a culmination in something. There's an incompleteness or an immaturity or a naivete. And so the two, you know, there's a movie called The 40-Year-Old Virgin about how <laughs> pathetic somebody yep. is because they haven't, they, you know, haven't had sex their entire yeah. lives. He's a really nice guy, but don't we all want to help him yeah. out? And so it is, um, I find that that is why I tend to be a long explanation because there is so much in narrative imbued into just how we grow up around what sex means that how sex means that you're normal and therefore it makes me definitionally abnormal by comparison like I don't drink or do drugs either I never have and people I've growing up especially like in my early 20s people would greet the information of my sobriety with like a wow that's so cool like I wish I didn't drink but if they found out I didn't have sex they'd be like no but like what do you mean and I'd be like I don't I don't have sex with people and they're like but like but like, yes, you, but like in some way, like, it, are you Christian? Um, Are you like, I, people like kind of in a hushed tone would be like, was it like, have you, was it like abuse? And like, and it's like, wow, that's a bold question, isn't it? And, but like, there has to be a reason like to not drink and not do drugs is like, wow, that's so cool of you. But to not have sex is like, you're outside what I really understand is to be a definitionally human experience. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I don't know what to do with you because of that information. Do you have an agenda? Are you secretly gay? Are you trying to groom people because you don't have sex with people, but actually you do and you just want to put them mm-hmm. in vulnerable positions? These are all kind of things I've had projected onto mm-hmm. me pretty routinely throughout my life. Less so in my like late 30s now, but that was pretty consistent throughout my 20s for sure. Yeah, it sounds harrowing. And it fucking sucks. Yeah, it, it sounds really harrowing. And thank you for telling me about that. And I, I think, you know, the reason I can imagine your interest in this particular area and like the sort of like relief of maybe just having a whole genre of film that like doesn't have to deal with that the same way, like where it's like not this mm-hmm. like necessarily this sexual completion narrative. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I just was thinking 
I've talked about this on the show before, but like there, when I went to see, I went to see the movie Carol mm, as a yes. part of the Frameline Film Festival in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. so I was like seeing it in a theater and I found the sex scenes to be sexy. And mm-hmm. I was like, I felt so dirty because I was mm. having, I was like turned on by the sex yeah. scenes in public. And it made me realize yeah. that for my entire life prior, when I right. had been going to the movies, I had never been turned on by the sex scenes. So I was just like watching them. I was just watching the movie. Yeah. And then yeah. when I saw Carol. Like, wow, I can't believe I'm having this moment in public. I can't believe so many people are <laughs> having this moment in public like, all the time. This is what the what? movies have been the whole time? <laughs> like, I just. What? What I, are you? This is a family institution. What are we doing I here no together? Idea like that. Mm-hmm. I just had no idea that uh, that this is what people had been experiencing. That movie came out like ten years ago. Like I was already ten 30. years ago. <laughs> no, that was and that like I I find a a really really appealing subset of genre cinema for me is like is toxic female friendships and like female obsession movies because while I am not a while I am not in a, a single white female situation. And nor do I anticipate that being where my life goes. I am not Jennifer Jason Lee in that movie. <laughs> it is still in its in its dirty, like uh, like unhinged, like like possibly homophobic at turns in the '90s, especially way. Um, that level of intense devotion to another person being construed as something inappropriate. That like especially like a non sexual devotion and sort of attention to like. I have experienced that kind of side-eyed vilification of like, well, you wouldn't care about someone this much unless you either wanted to sleep with them or you were currently sleeping with them and you were in a relationship, but you don't want either of those things. So like, you're either lying to me or there's something fucked up going on with you and you have an agenda. But like, and it also is like, that is the closest in lieu of like ace platonic romantic films, which we don't get. That kind of intense devotional connection is actually the closest thing in with a villain lens to it. What I understand to be devoted to another person. So, like I've said before, that my villain edit is Leighton Ru- Leighton Meester in the room. Oh my god! Like if you turn my dials to bad guy, I am Leighton Meester's character being like, "We're sisters now, Minka Kelly." Wait, what other movies are in this genre? Like to me, I think of Black Swan. Yeah, I, I, well, my, my ultimate, and, and the one that really, like, the movie that really opened my eyes to horror is not just a thing that I enjoyed, but it's something whose gorgeous subtext could, like, give voice to a marginalized identity or, like, a hidden feeling is Jennifer's body. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the dynamic of, of Needy and Jennifer, and that, like, Needy has her boyfriend, Jennifer has sex with boys. They have their, like, sexually fluid relationship with each other, but theirs is not a relationship defined by this sexual dynamic that causes them to alienate other people in their life because where do you end and I begin and, like, our whole lives are about each other. No, they have separate relationships. They have relationships with their parents they have friendships while jennifer's more of an island island of hotness that you know depends on needy to worship her and be the sun and everything like that but like the point of it is is like that movie and the way that it taylor swift the way that it draws the like invisible string between needy and jennifer and the connection being so close as to produce an almost telepathic kind of exchange between the two that was the closest i had ever seen 
to someone giving me a female-female dynamic on screen that was like, this isn't about these two ending up together, and it never was, and it's not about these two consuming each other. It's not about these two lusting for each other in this really confused, biphobic way where they have to, like, Jennifer's eating boys because boys killed her and turned her into a succubus. Like, the driving force of the evil in Jennifer's body is not these two girls allure to each other, draw to each other. That is, in fact, like, the one thing that keeps Jennifer anchored to humanity as she slips further and further into her like demonic entity-ness and like the moment at the end where like the moment when Jennifer relents in the final battle with Needy is when is not when like Needy stabs her it's when she pulls the best friend necklace off of her throws it on the ground and then Jennifer gives up falls and then Needy is allowed to then plunge down and like kill the demon and stab Jennifer in the heart and as like Diablo Cody has said like the sort of thesis of that movie is the final line there where Jennifer says like ow my tit and Needy goes, know your heart. And as Diablo says, like, you know, I knew the whole world would be looking at Jennifer's tits when I was trying to show them Jennifer's heart, which was the whole point of casting Megan Fox in the first place, because the same thing was happening with her career in real life as like sort of mirror and metaphor. But like, through that, through genre film is how I have been able to see the most like intensely realized female relationships that actually make me feel most seen oh and God, promising young so women awesome. for that same reason was a huge movie for me because even though the character of Nina... Wait, hang on. Hang on. Pause for one second. What did you say? Because I talked over what you said. Hang on. First, just let me pause for a second at Jennifer's body. Pause. We're pausing. We just have to pause for a second at Jennifer's body. Yes. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Beautiful and... Um, I actually have never seen Jennifer's Body because, again, it's too scary. But I have watched many clips. And part of the reason I've watched many mm-hmm. clips is because, obviously, we love Megan Fox. We also love yes. Amanda Seyfried. We love them. We love them. Yes. And they've both yes. continued to be lovable after that film. Absolutely. And congratulations to both of them on that. Also, this feels, like, important. Diablo <laughs> Cody went to my high school. She was in my sister's class. This is yeah. important. Look at the creative wellspring that is your high school. Yes. And also... Because I, I talk about this a lot. I, But it wasn't with you, was it? I feel like I was just talking to somebody about this, but it must have been like just like at dinner the other night. Because I feel like people bring up her stuff enough and it's like, which is awesome, you know, whatever. Not whatever, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But so my high school had, there was no sex ed, super Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan Fox is wearing our school skirt on the poster mm-hmm. for that movie. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. So like, it was a very, very conservative spot. And I and when she made Juno, part of the reason mm-hmm. that that movie, the messaging in that movie is like a little odd, actually, looking back yeah. on it, because it's yeah. like... Th- that has aged in like a fascinating a weird, way. like, anti-abortion moment that doesn't like yes. totally make sense, but it makes sense no. if you went to my high school where... Mm-hmm. People either had abortions or didn't have sex. There wasn't, nobody mm-hmm, was on mm-hmm. the pill. Nobody was using condoms. So it was like mm-hmm. this really fucked up product of Catholicism where like the idea that somebody would choose to carry a baby mm-hmm. was, that was the thing that was truly unheard of. And so mm-hmm. there was like a weird, anyway, this is all just a long way of saying um, when Ooh. I read about Jennifer's body, I also yeah. felt like, oh, this is a really interesting movie for this person who went to a school where there was like no queerness, but also where yeah. female friendships would have had no context. So anyway, I love that you love that movie. And uh, I, I, I'm arguably America's I literally foremost have pictures scholar. of me in that skirt. But I have a, different, <laughs> a slightly different head than Megan Fox. 
Same boobs, though. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, I and, and that was like like until after Jennifer's body the the movie that has hit me the most since then was Promising Young Woman because oh, yes. although we do yes, not yes, yes. meet the character of Nina, what that movie asserts is that a friendship, the friendship between Cassie and Nina right. can be so gargantuan, can be so world altering and consuming that it can the loss of it, the the death of one can incite a vengeance rampage on the order of John Wick. Right. That it can lead to a Charles Bronson death wish, death wish style narrative where the person is so wrecked by the losing the love of their life, who in this instance is the lifelong best friend character, like figure. Wow. That that rises to the level of import and gravity and severity that a person can be irrevocably damaged by the loss of it. And that's fucking sad. I don't want that to be every movie. But I had never seen something be like, hey, it doesn't have to be a wife or a child or a dog. You can lose your best friend and that can change your world forever and sort of permanently alter you. And in the sense of a genre film, put you on a path to having to destroy and devastate oh, yeah. anyone who resembles the one who took the love of your life away from you. And I had never seen, I had truly literally never seen a movie do that before. And so to me, it, that was the great ace romance That's amazing. of 2020. Okay, I love that. And, and shout out to Emerald Fennell, who... Uh, also, in the summer blockbuster of the year. We love that yeah. for her. Midge. Yeah. Shouts out to Absolutely. Midge. And, so, and who she has a, an erotic thriller coming up called Saltburn. Well, and I cannot I'm wait sure to see that. I'm sure that's going to be that. very good. She's extremely yeah. talented. Congratulations <laughs> to her. Um, yes. All right. I have, we, I have to let you go back into your day. We've been chit-chatting around for one full hour. and I know. And I hate that we've hit time we because hit time. I'm having yeah, a blast. I'm having a blast too. And... This was all very interesting because I was like, okay, how good. are we going to talk about horror movies on this podcast? Wasn't even difficult. Made perfect sense. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, before I send you back into your day, I just wanted to ask yeah. you to shout out a queero, um, a person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? I will. I will. I will shout out Megan Fox yeah. because we have talked about Jennifer's body because we have talked about what that movie means. Like that movie indicated to me that there is a way that, that, that there is a narrative that exists that other people understand so much so that they can make a movie about it. That says two people can be so deeply connected without being married or without being bound by blood or without being like without a sexual relationship sort of anchoring their connection to one another that that, connection could be so intense and real that it could merit being the center central love story mm. of an entire movie that is also still filled with killing boys and succubism and uh blood drinking and that to me feels like representation so megan fox bisexual icon yeah yeah we yeah, yeah salute we, you yeah, for delivering the performance of a lifetime Absolutely. as jennifer check yeah and getting like no no not no but not not as loved in its uh well, yeah, needing it, it to take 10 yeah. fucking years to get the respect for that role that she deserves. Absolutely. Well, thank you for bringing it up today so she doesn't have to wait even one second <laughs> <Yeah>. longer. <laughs> uh, it's my duty. It's yeah. my job. Thanks, Jordan. It was great to talk to you. Thank you, Cameron, for having me. 
Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.